Hey, what's going on, guys? Today I was interviewing Alexandria Nicole, and the interview was quite long. So we actually had to do it into two parts. So part one and part two. I just want to let you know that this is the first part of two episodes. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in and watching the John Papaloni Show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, I have Alexandria Nicole. You would think I said it just 30 seconds ago. <laughs> you would think that I would have gotten it right without a stumble. <laughs> it goes to show That's you, uh, quite all right. You're making it exotic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. <laughs> It's so great to be with you, John. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a great show. Yeah. I want to uh, start off with, why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got into it? Absolutely. So I'm Alexandria Nicole. I'm a serial entrepreneur, a transformational speaker, and a published author. I'm just someone that values adding space and empowering people and giving them the tools and motivation that they need to make it come into fruition. So I just feel like I live a purposeful life. And once I understood my assignment, I was clear on my path and, you know, am intentional about doing the work every day. Absolutely. Now, how did you discover that path? Like, look, let's be honest, when we grow up, I mean, we've had all kinds of things in our head of what we're going to be. Some of us right. thought we were going to be astronauts or uh, spaceships. And I don't mean the astronaut on the spaceship. Sometimes we, as kids, we grow up thinking we're going to become the spaceship. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we all have these different ideas growing up. But somewhere along the line, we transform and who we are and who we're meant to be comes to fruition. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of times we know what it is that we're called to do as kids and then we get put into these boxes and we're taught to conform and, and kind of, you know, other people's wants and desires for us are projected onto us. So we start to kind of walk the path of someone else's desires. And for me, I always loved to write. And I was, of course, told it wasn't profitable and I need to be X, Y, Z and I need to go down these certain paths. But for me, it was about making a lot of mistakes and being in a lot of working environments that I felt like were toxic and just didn't align with me as a person. And being on that path, it forced me to look at what I really wanted to do because I just wasn't satisfied with the life of complacency and just going to work and, you know, paying bills and dying. I was never okay with that aspect of being like I want to live. So it forced me to have moments of introspection where I really looked at myself and what it is that I wanted to do, which was ultimately getting back to what it was I wanted to do as a kid. Yeah. Interesting. And I love how you say that. Like we're, and it's true. We are all programmed the same way. Go to yeah. school, get a good education to get a good job. So then right. you can save your, have fun, not have fun, have a family, have kids and retire and repeat. Right. And a lot of us feel like that that's also the path to happiness too, right? And it's not until we start to live that life that we realize this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And some of us are lucky enough to pivot and to become one with what we are meant to do, as opposed to continuing that life of unhappiness and ultimately never living the purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know what I find impeccable and I'm willing to bet you uh, remember saying this at one point in time, 
the words, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, where along the journey did, did humanity get lost? Because at 12, 13, 14 years old, parents say, go do this, go do that. And your answer is not yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. It's don't tell me what to do. And then right, somewhere along right. the line, we're doing what they told us. Yes, yes. And that's one of the reasons why I homeschool both my daughters is I raise them to be respectful. They're not going to tell me not to tell them what to do. They're respectful. <laughs> but I also give them the freedom and the space to develop who it is that they are. And I feel like my job as a mother, my husband's job as a father is to help our children identify what their gifts are instead of attempting to take control of their path and navigate them to move in a certain way. We don't feel like that. We feel like our job is to help them identify who they are, what they're called to do, and then help them on that path. We're, they're just, we're just conduits to people, to who they are. We, we're not supposed to control who they are as individuals. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So with that being said, so like with that being said and all that, and you're hundred percent right. And I'm, I'm finding that uh, today things are becoming, but backwards. Cause you got half the society that's still conform and the other half that's like, Nope, not doing this. Right. And, but where I'm going with this is that with all that stuff comes challenges mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and growing up and, and, you know, until now where you're, you know, in your space, what was your biggest challenge and hurdle? Mm. my biggest challenge was finding the confidence within myself to leave the box that I was put in by others. Interesting. That was my biggest challenge because I think just us as people, just as human beings, we want to feel that, that acceptance, right? So a lot of times we do that in our friend groups and with our parents and with our family and you end up, creating this avatar of expectations that are projected onto you from others, completely deviating from who you are as an actual individual, right? So my biggest issue was sitting down, finding out who it was Alexandria is as a person and being comfortable in what my findings were. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I would say you're pretty self-aware then. Yes. <laughs> it took a lot of work. Uh, it, it definitely took a lot of de dedication, a lot of quiet moments, a lot of journaling, a lot of praying. I'm a spiritual person. So I would ask God a lot of times what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. Um, you know, how am I supposed to be adding value and serving and showing up in spaces authentically? Because a lot of times too, we can recognize our calling, but not know how we're supposed to show up. So it's a lot of times where even in the space I'm in now, where I'll have speaking engagements or, you know, I'll have meetings and I feel like I need to behave in a certain way in order to be accepted in that space. Even though it's aligned with my calling and my purpose, I still feel like I have to behave in a certain way. I had to break down that mold of how I'm supposed to show up really truly as myself, as opposed to, you know, being different and behaving different in different atmospheres. And, and then, which puts you on the path to lose yourself again. I don't want to do that. It took too, 
long to find myself. I don't want to, you know, be counterproductive to the process. <laughs> of course, that's funny. Because yeah. I, I noticed you said there uh, again. So meaning at some point in time you were. Exactly. exactly. That's awesome. I mean, we all have our adventures, right? It's never a straight yeah. path. And yeah. I think that's one thing people need to realize because so many times do, don't we hear like, oh, I tried something for a month and it didn't work. Right, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. it's because it's that sense of urgency, like it's instant gratification. Mm -hmm. Like people think they're going to do something once or twice and miracles are going to be formed. My right? God, like, if that was the case, the weight loss journey would be fantastic. If I could just drink two protein shakes and be the way that I wanted to be. <laughs> But it's that's true. not the case. It's a journey. It's a journey. And we have to be patient with ourselves as individuals and not uh, apply the pressure that also comes with the instant gratification that you were describing. For sure. So with that being said, though, there are moments of triumph and, and where oh, we yeah. do feel that we're on that path. And obviously, that's where you feel you are now. So I got yeah. two kind of two questions from that. Yeah. One is, what was that moment where you go, aha, I'm here, right? Like I always believe we, we all have that aha moment. We just don't always recognize it. <laughs> that's it, John. You're so right in saying that. And that's something that I really focused on this year was recognizing the triumphs and celebrating them. Because a lot of time for us doers, we accomplish what it is that we set out to do and we're on to the next thing. Instead of actually taking a moment and sitting in the triumph, sitting in the win and celebrating ourselves, right? Yes. So I think that that was definitely something that I had to work on as opposed to just taking it in and being on to the next thing. So my, I would say um, a triumph was of mine was writing my, my first book, publishing it, and actually holding it in my hand and feeling the tangible item that was once just lived in my mind, you know what I mean? And setting out to do it and, and wanting to have that title for myself of being a published author, because uh, that just assures me that I am, I'm capable to do what it is that I set out to do and finishing. Starting is easy, but completing something. <laughs> you got a point That's there, where right? the greatness comes in because that's a challenge. For sure. Because you know what? There's, I think everybody's gone through this where you start something, you get halfway there, you lose interest or you feel defeated, whichever one it is. Then you start something else because that's going to be the miracle worker. Then you start something else. Next thing you know, you got three things you started, not one thing got completed. Mm, right. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, yeah. and I think everybody's gone through it. Now, some people never oh, stop sure. going through it, but most people, when they find their way at some point in time, find that light and which yeah. is great. Right. And again, it's all yeah. it's we have our lives are long and short at the same time. At the same time. Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> it's it's long in the way that we don't have to feel like we've lost it all. If like, like if you're uh, 30 years old and you're still searching it's not an end all be all. There's still right. time. You know right. what I mean? So at the same time, it's not something I recommend people wait another 20 years. <laughs> so it's finding yeah. that right time and it's different for everybody. So I don't think anyone should have that anxiety just because they're not there yet. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I, one of the things that I love is this quote that says, comparison is the thief of joy. 
Yes. We cannot compare our personal journeys to anyone else. We can look at someone and we can be inspired by them and maybe take in things, little bits and pieces to learn and apply them to our own life to grow. But when you get out of the learning and the inspiration space and then you go over to comparisons, you start to feel down about yourself. Oh, well, I'm 35 and I haven't gotten to this point in my life or I'm this age and I haven't gotten married yet or whatever it is the the personal, you know, um, the personal aspect of yourself, you feel like you should be in a different space. You cannot let that affect you because that is the thing that will hinder you from tapping into your own greatness. You know what I mean? I do. So now again, you found your spot now and and life is always changing and evolving. Mm -hmm. Right. So where I'm going with that is like you've gotten to the point today where do you see yourself going and do you think there'll be another evolution or do you think you're in that permanent, you know, light right now? No, I recognize that everything in life is nothing is permanent, right? Like I'm always changing and evolving and, and getting to different levels of goals within myself that I want to help manifest and bring into fruition. So what I, where I see myself now is where I wanted to be in my twenties. And I feel like as I get older, there's always going to be something else that I'm wanting to tackle in order to really live my life to the fullest. I don't know what I'm going to want at 45, you know, 10 years from now. I'm not sure what I'll be interested in. I just know that I am always going to be changing and evolving and and putting in the work to be the best version of myself so that I could contribute to humanity and society in, in my best way that I can. That makes sense. And, yeah. and why is it important for you to be contributing? Right? Oh yeah. Because nothing in this life only takes everything in this world is contributing. The, I, I, I just listened to this powerful man and he says, the the flowers don't exude a radiant a, a fragrance for themselves the sky doesn't rain to nourish itself it, it rains to be able to nourish the fruits and vegetables to be able to provide everything in our world and our ecosystem is in place to be able to add value to someone outside of itself outside of its state of being right so i just feel like that's who we are as human beings is we are made and, and, you know, we are supposed to be contributing to others outside of ourselves. Everything that's selfish dies. Well, yeah, absolutely. That's true. Well, to be honest, everything dies, but the spirit lives on. Yes. And I want to have a powerful, loving, giving spirit at the mm-hmm. end. <laughs> <laughs> Makes yeah. sense. Now, let me ask you something, because like, you said you're very spiritual, uh-huh. Now, some people are born that way and they've always known. Some people discover it later on in life. Some people started that way. They lost their journey, then found themselves again. Mm. Right? Yeah. So what was your story in terms of that? Yeah, for me, I feel like I was somebody that was always searching. Um, you know, the church and, and that kind of uh, deity worship was not really profoundly present while I was growing up. It was when I became, uh, you know, I started to search who it was that I wanted to be, how I wanted to show up in my 20s. 
And I started to actually do a lot of research about various religions in college, which the interesting thing is all of them are, even though they they practice and they show up in different ways, all religions essentially have the same foundation. <laughs> they have the same basis of praise and worship and giving gratitude and looking outside of ourselves in order to do work for the greater good. They all kind of have that same foundation. And so for me, it was a journey of uh, self-discovery that led me to living a Christ-like life, right? So I'm someone that I don't feel like, you know, I have to go to church every Sunday. I, you know, I look at church on television. I have a relationship with my Bible. I look at spirituality and my relationship with God as an individual thing. And I like to um, not place judgment on anyone else or where they are on their journey. Because that's, that's the opposite of what I'm supposed to be doing as a spiritual person, right? Is placing judgment. So yes. I just feel like um, I honor everyone's space and where they are and how they choose to pray, even if they choose to pray, yes or no. That's not, that has nothing to do with me and my journey. And um, I just look at people's characters and, and how we relate to one another on my basis of who I interact with. So yeah, it's, it has nothing to do with spirituality. My spirituality is between me and God, you know? I love that. So let me ask you something. Let's get into your book. Like what yeah. was that about? And uh, what was the inspiration behind the book? Yeah, I got it right matter. here. This is my hard copy. I don't know if you can see it. Let me move it over. Yeah, it's yeah. called the Entrepreneur's yeah. Checklist. And it's essentially the book that I wish I had when I was starting my businesses. Because, you know, a lot of times you have to kind of pick and choose from various areas. You're on Google. How do I start a company? What's the Secretary of State's <laughs> address? Like all these various <laughs> things where you kind of have to pick them together and put the pieces together over time. So I, I remember saying about a year and a half ago, I was like, man, I wish there was just one place you could go that wasn't somebody's whole life story. It's like 300 pages before you get to the nitty gritty. And it just tells you how to open a business. And I said, well, why don't I just make it since it doesn't exist or I haven't been, <laughs> I haven't been privy to it. Why don't I just write it? So I wrote the book and it actually has a checklist in the back because I'm a notebook person. So I was writing right. down all of my various information in, in different notebooks. And then I'd be like, what did I do with my EIN number? <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. figured I could create this book and actually have a checklist so that all of the tangible steps that I give you to opening your business, you can then write down and keep all of the information in the back of your book, your account numbers for your bank account, your EIN number, you know, your done number, everything that you have to have in order to open a bank account and all that, you just take this book in with you and you've got everything you need. So yes, just a step-by-step -step guide to opening businesses, people that are tired of going to work and it's just, they're miserable, but want to open a business, but don't know how to do it. Yeah, this is the option. Well, that's another thing I want to ask you, right? Because let's let's be honest, 81 and five, which is, sorry, four and five businesses fail. Yeah. Um, and that number is not very encouraging at all. Yeah, but it's how you look at it because 88% of the people that own businesses make up for millionaires. So it's what are you focusing on? 
Are you focusing on the aspects of the things that will make you successful and be encouraged and be motivated to continue going? Or are you looking and focusing on the things that will ultimately be the demise of your business? You got to shift your focus. Well, absolutely. Like it starts with mindset. Yes. But you led up to one of my favorite quotes from one of my, uh, from someone I followed from when I was young. Yeah, Um, what is it? Jim Rohn was the uh, creator. Mm -hmm. And he said, motivation alone is not enough. Because if you take an idiot and you motivate him, all you get is a motivated idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And I mean, my God, I think that resonates with me because it it is so true. A lot of the, the speaking engagements that I do when I tell people, you know, what my platform is about and what it is that I show up to do I motivate and I educate because I don't want to just have a room of people that are hyped up and amped up and ready to go and have no way to do it. Right. So I, I inspire you and I give you the tools to actually take that motivation and move it forward. Exactly. And that, and that's where I was getting at, right? Because being motivated alone is not enough, right? So you have to have an action plan. Exactly. So, where I'm going with this is to an aspiring entrepreneur, someone who's just say working that office job and can't seems to get her or his ass off the ground. Um, yeah. And I don't mean being productive part. I mean, just too scared to do anything, too scared to take mm. the lead, too scared to whatever. It's always about more podcasts, more books, more, more seminars, more uh, events and whatever, and never getting off the ground because they're scared. Right. What would your right. advice be to that person? It's a two-parter. So initially that person needs to find what their personal motivator is, essentially is finding their why. What will them opening their business create for them? What kind of opportunities? For a lot of people, it's financial freedom. For other people, it's leaving a legacy, creating generational wealth. For someone else, it might be having the opportunity to spend more quality time with their children. Whatever it is that compels them to want to tap into every bit of greatness that they have, they have to stay focused on that, right? My why is creating generational wealth for my daughters, you know, showing up for them whenever they need me, building into them an entrepreneurial mindset. My daughter's 12 years old and has a pet sitting business on a bank account already. And we talk about liabilities and assets. Because I want her to be able to have financial discussions and not be afraid of money. You know, in the South, when we grew up, you didn't talk about religion and you didn't talk about money. Right. So I don't want. And what's that do that that really just perpetuates this narrative as human beings that we are incapable of having discussions and respectful disagreements. Right. Oh, yeah. I can open a Pandora's box with that. (laughs) (laughs) it's true because somewhere along the line you know it's become a sin to have an opinion it's listen and it's the truth and it's the truth but the second part of that they gotta uh, identify their why and then the second part is they have to write it down they have to be clear on what it is their business is going to be their target market their brand colors all of those things. There is a power in speaking and there's a power in writing it down. Because once you take it out of your mind and put it onto paper, it it has a power to it. Yeah. 
There's also a third power that nobody talks What's about. What's that? The, the power of listening. That's right, John. Yes. <laughs> I actually, I initiated these solidarity talks that I host. I started it in 2020 when everything was going on with the George Floyd and, you know, COVID and everybody was heightened. And I started to realize that people, there is a divide. First off, what you said about the opinions, I figured we need to have a place where we could just come and express ourselves and respect one another. And most of all, listen, because you learn when you listen, right? 100%. Instead of waiting to respond, what a lot of people do. So that's something that we just need to get under control as human beings is just being able to listen. <laughs> well, it comes with a natural respect. And that's something I've seen a lot of, over the generations seems to be getting lost right like how many times have you been talking to someone and they're in front of you and you see you're talking they're like uh, you know because you're sitting there waiting they're just waiting just to pounce into that right Jump like in. it's almost mm -hmm. and at that point in time you start wondering are they even listening to me anymore mm. you know mm. what i mean like yeah. and it's like and that seems to be more frequent today mm. than it was 20 years ago we'll say oh absolutely well that's because of our attention span Everything's coming at us so rapidly now. All of the information, we scroll, scroll, scroll. We decide if we're going to receive something and take a pause within like a millisecond or if we're going to keep scrolling by, if we're interested, engaged or not, whatever it is. So people are, are operating with that cognitive, um, you know, that cognitive ability of, or lack of ability, I, I should say, <laughs> of being able to just be present in the moment and really just absorb what's being said instead of being so internal that they're just waiting for, they're thinking about what they're going to say and then responding. You know what I mean? Yep. 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 And again, a lot of it is about perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes, yeah. sometimes what ends up happening is I see people getting defensive and then, uh -huh. therefore, the person on the other side starts becoming defensive too. Right. But as a third right. party, you're watching it and you're going, they're not even talking about the same thing. Yes. Yes. Right? It's almost like something like, like the main message was lost and therefore somebody's perspective is coming in because they missed the point of what the other person was saying. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think that that's just, that's a part of, of what we do as humans. And I think that it really has a lot to do with our emotional intelligence and yeah. our ability to respectfully engage to where you do see a lot of people talking at each other. That means that they shut down, they're no longer listening and they are simply interested in being right or conveying their point to indicate that they're right. Right. So it's yeah. like it, they have surpassed the point of being um, open to a respectful engage engagement. And then nothing's resolved that way. Nothing. That's true. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Do you want to win or do you want to be right? You can only have one. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. Now, going back to what we were saying before I went on a tangent, because like I said, no, I, can open right. up, I can open up Pandora's box very easily. But um, <laughs> so going with the whole entrepreneur thing, right? I love how you said you had to write it down and stuff and, and take notes and record everything, right? And you have a process and that's great, right? Mm -hmm. Like, is there anything that a person should, uh, is there any like beware? Like, is there anything they should be worried about? Or, you know, mm. what kind of preparation, like, like, I, I don't think you would recommend someone just 
you know, walk up to your boss, you know, and say, Hey, you know what? I hate this job. I hate you. <laughs> Fuck you. I quit. You know what I mean? I think it should be more of a process. What would your thoughts on that be? Oh, I, I definitely think that people need to research as well before they go into whatever avenue they're interested in being in. And, and yes, uh, preparation. You want to make sure that you are in a position where you can invest yourself in yourself and you don't require an extra uh, income in order to be able to pay your bills. Like you want to make sure that you are diligent in building a strong foundation for your company so you don't end up um, in kind of a desperate space. And then you're making, when, when you're operating from a space of desperation, you're not making the best decisions, right? So you wanna make sure that you're prepared and that you're ready. And another just little tidbit that new entrepreneurs have to be aware of is recognizing that a lot of people capitalize off of the vulnerability and the lack of knowledge of newly established or up and coming established entrepreneurs. Like, uh, you know, me and my husband, we have seven companies together, but I've opened all of our companies because I've done it a trillion times. And we were just opening up another company. This was probably like seven months ago. We were opening up our union tile uh, construction company because we have a private sector as well. And I was like, honey, just go online, get the EIN, you know, let, and I'm going to finish doing what I'm doing. He paid $250 for EIN. And I'm like, what are you, that's free. What are you doing? <laughs> He had no idea that the EIN is the number that is freely administered from the state. You just literally go into the database, fill in the information, they send it to you within minutes. But that's how people are capitalized and, you know, taken advantage of if they don't have the knowledge. Yeah, that's true. Now, yeah. with that being said, when someone starts like here, going, going to the whole being prepared for like not relying on uh, income. Right, like because the income's gone, like not just jumping off the boat and getting desperate. Right. Um, would you recommend that a person uh, maybe start off part time while they're working, or do you take the approach of uh, jump ship but do it with like six months uh, of uh, of expenses in the bank? Or mm. how, how how would you? Uh, what would be the best route in your opinion? Yeah, I think that really that's an individual decision. I think that both of those methods are wonderful. Either you're going to start off working and, you know, a lot of people call them side hustles. I don't like that because it keeps it in that category of being a side hustle. And then it starts to manifest, oh, well, this is extra income instead of sewing into it to be your main source of income at one point, right? So it's all about how we characterize things. So I would suggest somebody, if they want to start it on the side, they do it that way. Or if they want to create a little nest egg and then go ahead and leave and completely uh, engulf themselves in cultivating their business, I think either one of those ways are best. Me, the way that I did it is we worked, we had one source of income and we built our businesses on the side until it was like, okay, we, we've got to make a decision. We're getting busy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. See, that's the thing, right? There's different perspectives and I love how you tackle everything based on the mindset first, mm. right? Like, is that so important? And that's usually the one area that people dismiss. 
And, and I think personally that they dismiss that and say, oh, I don't need this mindset stuff. Mm. And I think that deep down they know they do. Mm-hmm. But if they focus on the mindset, they can't come up with the excuse. Oh, John, you better speak. Yes. It, it takes being personally accountable in order to be successful. And a lot of times we are our own worst enemies because we'll hold ourselves back with a thousand excuses on why we can't do it, because ultimately what lies up under that is is fear, right? It, you're afraid, and so you're talking yourself out of it because you rather talk yourself into staying in your comfort zone. Nothing amazing grows in the comfort zone. No, nothing, nothing. Like, look, not even nothing comes from comfort. I can't see anything good or bad. Well, bad I can see, but I can't see anything coming from comfort. I'm constantly yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, but that's I, because I'm I am always pushing myself to the next level and evaluating how I can get there and what it's going to take to get there. So it's interesting. It, it becomes this kind of this interesting dynamic of becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> well, that's exactly right? it, right? That's exactly it. Because, yeah, I was try- for a second, I was sitting there pausing. I was thinking, okay, there's certain extances, ex- you know, circumstances that could, uh, comfortable could be fine. And I'm trying to think, and I'm trying to think, and I couldn't come up with one. You're not even comfortable when you die. Nope. Right? Like, but like nope. think of it. People who are in the hospital sick and they're on their deathbed, that's even uncomfortable. Listen, when right? I was like- a CNA years ago, and I worked in a rest home on third shift. So I've seen quite a few people pass on. Every last one of them were afraid before they transitioned. It's almost yeah. like you're uncomfortable even with the aspect of approaching the unknown. Because a lot of them, you know, it's interesting. I think there was only one man. He got dressed in his uh, army attire. He put on all his badges, made his bed, laid on top of his bed and died. He was wow. just like, I'm, I'm ready, which is an interesting, which always stayed with me because that, that is an interesting relationship to have with death at the end of your life. To ju- it, it almost has this energy of he controlled the fact that he was ready to go- move on. You know what I mean? So, but, but most people, they are very uncomfortable <laughs> when <Yeah>. they're going. <laughs> of yeah. course. And, and then, you know, what's even a sign of faith, right? Like that, that army person who went obviously had some deep faith of some sort. Oh, absolutely. And I don't doubt that for half a second because a lot of people uh, perceive it as going to glory or, you know, they're going to meet God and they're just kind of ready for that transition um, where, you know, I imagine some people, are fearful just because it is an unknown and it's an unknown unlike anything we experience in life of which you go and you experience it and you come back. 